0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in a couple different places today. Today we're going to wrap up a sermon series called The Glorious Body of Christ. And so we've taken the majority of January, and we wanted to focus on the church, the Bride of Christ, and who we are. So important, kind of in the history of King's Chapel, as we've just embraced uh, new members. How exciting is that? As last week we embraced new leaders, new officers. How amazing is that? And so what's so important for us is to look to God's Word and have God's Word tell us who is it that we are. And when we look at God's Word, it tells us some amazing things. It says this. It says that we are a part of the glorious body of Christ. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, wait a minute. I know the church, and I've seen the church act over the years. And it's not always very glorious. I mean, sometimes it's uh, the opposite of glorious. But in God's eyes, because of what Christ has done, we really are, the, we're the bride of Christ. We are this glorious body of Christ. And so what we have done with this is we've looked at God's word and we've realized that 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 will tell us that every single part of the body is indispensable. So if you're here and you love Jesus, uh, you're a part of the body of Christ. And uh, God has given you gifts. And you may seem weak or less important, but Scripture says, "Indispensable, all hands on deck. We all got to be together." And then we realized we looked at God's Word and says that that God has has made us one, that we are one in Christ. But he's given us different gifts, and we looked at God's Word that He's given us leaders to shepherd our souls. And so this morning, uh, as we conclude the sermon series on the glorious body of Christ, we're going to focus on what's most important to the church. What is the glorious head? The glorious head of Christ. Well, we live in a time where people seem to be absolutely obsessed with their bodies. Uh, they're obsessed with their bodies, the way they look, um, the way they look to others. I mean, that obsession often goes into an eating disorder at times. Uh, obsession might be uh, of kind of sculpting your body or, or somehow fighting the aging of your body. But body appearance, uh, so, uh, so important to our society where there's things like body shaming, uh, where people are, are, are really struggling. You know, where do I fit in when it comes to body imaging? Uh, body image. So this is what uh, is, will be out there on the web as far as what is body image. It's a subjective picture or mental image of one's own body. It's a subjective picture. doesn't have to be a reality. I mean, the mirror may tell you something that's not reality. You may tell in your mind, you may look at yourself and say, you know, I'm this or I'm that. So it's this subjective picture or a mental image of one's own body. And apparently it's got such power, I mean, how we live, how you view yourself physically uh, really impacts the way you live. Again, body image refers to a person's emotional attitudes, beliefs, and perception of their own body. Uh, Experts describe it as a complex emotional experience. Okay, and we know for some it's more complex than others. Maybe different times of life, but what that complexity of how you view yourself. Well, we know looking at God's word, it's certainly important for us to take care of our bodies. As Christians, we are told our bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit, that we should take care of them. Uh, We should strive to keep our bodies healthy. Uh, You know, in the ways we eat, the ways we exercise. Dang it, I'm convicted already, you know. I mean, I love food, I'm a foodie. And I love fried food I love chicken wings I love pizza I love all those things that tend to clog your arteries you know and put on a couple of LBs or two Um, but we're also to physically exercise and for some of you you love it some of you love to run why who's chasing you I mean what are you doing some of you love to have like these things called endorphins oh I love to run I clear my mind I'm like are you crazy I mean that's crazy but Physical exercise is important. Scripture will say it's of some value, but godliness has value for all things. So, But we shouldn't be obsessed with our appearance. It should never be our obsession for anybody, but especially for the Christian. Our physical appearance should never be our identity or our worth, right? So if something changes, that shouldn't affect your identity or your worth. Well, the church is called the glorious body of Christ. So here, think about this. If we're the glorious body of Christ, what should Christ's body image be? What what is our body image as the church? All right, is it a stretch? I'm trying to connect these things here. Uh, How do we uh, view ourselves as Christ's body, body image? Again, we're called the glorious body of Christ. That's who we are. But what should that be? Our body image, watch this, our identity and worth all comes from the head, the head of the church, and that is jesus so you want to know your worth Uh, you want to know what we should be what our body image is we got to put not who we are in the crosshairs we got to put in the crosshairs who he is because he is the glorious head of the church and that is where we find our identity our identity has to be wrapped in him that is where we find the beauty and the glory the glory of the church the beauty of the church it's not in and of ourselves the beauty comes because of the head our connection with him, all the grace of God, all the beauty of God, all the blessings of God, they flow to us from our head, from Christ, our Savior. So we must look to Jesus to know who we are. We must look to Jesus to know what we are to do as the church. We need to look to Jesus to define, okay, what should be a healthy church body image? Three things we're going to look at today. They're going to be from three different passages. From Colossians 1, we'll see that Jesus is the head of the church he is our head um, we should look to him to lead us we're going to look to matthew 16 a great little passage uh, it's really a, it's a, a turning point in the gospels uh, where we'll see that jesus is the builder of the church he's not only the head of the church jesus is the builder of the church and then we're going to look to first peter uh, chapter two and we're going to see that jesus is the cornerstone of the church he is all of those things together so if you'll turn with me, the words will be on the screen. Colossians 1, we'll begin there, uh, verses uh, uh, 15 through 20. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and he's before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body the church he's the beginning he's the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of God. Of his cross. Then we turn to Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or or one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ. And then lastly first peter chapter 2 as you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of god chosen and precious you yourself like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ for it stands in scripture behold i am laying in zion as stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for who we are in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your word that tells us that Christ is our head, that tells us that, yes, we're part of the glorious body, but, God, we get our image and our identity, our life, our joy uh, from him. Oh, God, come and be our teacher. God, come and speak through a broken vessel like me. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And it's in Christ's matchless name that we pray. Amen. So what we learn in this is amazing. It says that Jesus is, is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. That in everything, he must be preeminent. So that's not a word that you and I use very often, the preeminent. But it's basically saying he should be the first of importance. All things should be about him, go through him, for him. He should be the priority of all that we do. When it comes to King's Chapel, it shouldn't be first and foremost, what do we want, what do we like? The question should be, what does he want, what is he like? We must do all we have. The aim of who we are personally, individually, and the aim of who we are corporately should all be done for him, for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor. Really, Jesus needs to be preeminent in all we do. Ultimately, it's not about us. Ultimately, it's about him. Yes, we are the glorious body of Christ, but he's the glorious head. He's the one. It's interesting. I got a mailer uh, yesterday, or the last couple of days, from a local church, a pretty big church. Uh, they bought a, a pretty big building uh, near us. And, and again, I don't know a lot about the church. Uh, according to their website, they want to point people to Jesus, which I absolutely love. And I ask blessing on them if they're doing that. But I always want to, I always get intrigued by mailers. Why? Because I send out mailers, right? You're like, mm, what, how do they do it? Well, oh, there's a little different size. What different font? What, what kind of message they're uh, they're going to say in the month of, of, of uh, February, Valentine's, good thinking, they're going to be doing a seri- sermon series on intimacy. Uh, they want to do something on intimacy. And by the way, if you leave here to go there, I'm going to be mad at you. All right? And so, uh, um, so they, they want to talk about intimacy. And they, they, really interesting what they say. They talk about intimacy. They said, um, here's how they broke it down. In to me, see. In to me, see. Intimacy is into me, see. If you really see me, we could be intimate, so can you really, truly see me? And I, I, I think, hmm, okay. So skeptical Jeff. Uh, it's like, I, I understand what you're trying to do. but really the church's ultimate goal is not intimacy see. The church's ultimate goal is we need to see Jesus. I mean, we need to see Jesus and, and His beauty and his fullness. We need to see him. Uh, we need to know Him uh and listen here's the beauty of the thing you really want to know who you are you really want to have you in the fullness you want intimacy me see is seeing jesus in you i mean that's true life that's when you come alive that is it's not taking from us it's gaining from us so church should be all about into him see all right into jesus see why because he is preeminent over all things he's the head of the church we gather here not to just navel gaze not to turn and look at us But to look to the one who gave us life and life abundantly. The one who loves us and forgives us. The glorious beauty of Christ. We need to see him. And when it comes to this passage, it's incredible. In Colossians, um, they were wrestling with who Jesus is. I mean, he's, and here's, Paul is saying, listen, there's no one like him. I mean, Jesus is it. He should be preeminent. Why? Because Jesus is the fullness of God. It says in verse 15 9 he's the exact image of god and it says in verse 19 amazingly the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form hit pause what a mystery how in the world can the fullness of deity take on flesh go figure how can he be fully man and fully god he is that's who he is so the one who should be preeminent is the one who's fully god he's fully god he's eternally god He's equal with the Father in power and glory. So he needs to be our head. It says Jesus is before all things. It's very interesting. He says he's the firstborn over all creation. Now we got to know what that means because if you read that quickly, it might think, hey, Jesus is like us. He's a created being, he's the firstborn. He's the firstborn of creation. And that's how some of the Jehovah Witnesses will say that, no, 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 Jesus isn't equal with the Father, and he, he is not eternal, that he started at one time. Look at he's the firstborn over creation. But what this is saying is the firstborn in priority and that culture the firstborn always had priority he had priority he got more of the inheritance uh he was the family name he was a family hope so this is saying he is the firstborn over all of creation not that he was created jesus is eternal he's the eternal god but he's the firstborn in priority uh not in time uh, he is the uncreated one who became created Uh, He should be the firstborn over all things. He's before all things in verse 17. He is truly the Alpha, the first and the only begotten of the Father. It says he's the beginning in verse 18. Uh, And we need to have him as the beginning of all things that we do. Jesus is, I love this, he's the creator of all. Uh, He spoke all things into existence. Jesus is that eternal word that spoke and the cosmos came into being. This is the way the Gospel of John says who Jesus is and how he created all things. Listen to the beauty of this. It sounds like Genesis 1, but here's John 1, the Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And by the way, the Word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. He's eternal. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So this is Jesus, the head of the church. He's the creator of all, but it's more than that he's the sustainer of all he holds all things together right now i mean the, the wonder and the beauty of the cosmos through nail-pierced hands it says he sustains all things in verse 17 and but jesus is the savior of all he's not just a creator a sustainer a savior to to reconcile all things it says to himself in heaven and earth mind-blowing that jesus is going to come from heaven to earth To reconcile the father to holy sinners to to, to sinners the holy father to, to sinners to reconcile the two of us through the death life resurrection of christ jesus he is the reconciler of heaven and earth he's the reconciler of all things he is making all things new he is our hope our hope of what's to come jesus is the only savior of the world to reconcile all things to himself how does he do it It says, by making peace by the blood of his cross. Now hit pause. Peace with God is not through religion. Peace with God is not through joining a church. Peace with God is not by being baptized. All those are important things. Peace with God is only accomplished through the cross. Through God's Son, who would live the life we failed to live, to die the death we deserve, to die, to be resurrected. How is peace with a holy God and sinful man and woman obtained through Jesus and Jesus alone? That's why he says, listen, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There's no other way to the Father. You can't be good enough. You can't be religious enough. You you can't find a guru that can get you somewhere. I mean, the only way you're going to make it home is through me. Okay, the only way you're going to be able to have an identity standing before God is through me. And I, and I rightfully, willingly, joyfully give it to you. Jesus is the head of the church. It must all be about him. Now, I know that when you go down the street, you'll often find bumper stickers. Anybody like bumper stickers? I love bumper stickers. They tell you a lot about a person. Sometimes I find out more about a person than I want to know, you know, um, but there's one very popular one out there that that takes all these religious symbols and it puts it together and it sounds like a nice benign symbol it says coexist i mean coexist you have you have the cross alongside of of, of what the world says are religions it's us come on man let's quit fighting let's have all these things together let's play nice and let's coexist but i want you to know that's not what scripture says you don't coexist jesus is supreme he's lord he's god he is alone the one who is worthy he's majestic uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, on September 11th, didn't they change the, the events of our life? Back in 1853, um, there was a precursor to the World Fair in Chicago. Um, and they, they had 21 million people who came to Chicago. Uh, and they were celebrating the 400th anniversary of Columbus's discovering the new world. And they invited all these religions in. And they said, let's have a World Religious Council and let's invite everybody in. Let's hear from everybody. Let's learn from everybody. There's some wisdom to that. But let's have everybody just kind of maybe we can emerge out of this as one beautiful new world religion that kind of takes them all and mixes them all together and says, wow, here's what we created. And there's a guy named D.L. Moody. He used to make shoes in, in, in the New England area. And Jesus got a hold of his soul. He can't stop sharing the gospel. And he was in the Chicago area. He's like, rent me a tent. We're going to go, and I'm gonna just going to preach Jesus. I mean, and, and when people say, "Well, I want you to just go and just say how wrong all these people are. Tell them how wrong all these world no no no. i 'm not going to tell them how wrong they are i 'm going to talk about the beauty of Jesus. I want to tell you he 's the creator of all things. I, I want you to tell you that he 's eternal God. I, I want you to tell you that he 's lived the life that you failed to live. I want to preach the, the the matchless riches of Jesus and, and go there and it was, it was an incredible a moment that he would say no i'm gonna take this when the world wants to blur everything together and say there's only one his name is jesus he should be the head of the church and oh my goodness what incredible uh f- response he had jesus uh why, why did we struggle with him being the head of the church by the way you want to know why because we want to be preeminent you want to know why because we want it to be all about us it's all about him i mean that, that's a struggle it's been a struggle ever since the fall we want to struggle hey god we got a better idea we got a better plan all right, Jesus is not only the head of the church, he's the builder of the church. I love the passage in Matthew. It's one of my favorites. It's one of the ones that Jesus says, hey, hey, y'all, tell me, what what do people, who do people say I am? And by the way, back in Jesus's day, confusion. Well, some think you're like Elijah, or you're like, you know, like, like John the Baptist come back, maybe, or like, you know, maybe you're Jeremiah. Like, I mean, There's kind of confusion. You're a religious dude. You're a carpenter's son. I mean, we're not exactly sure. So he asked them, well, who do you say I am? And again, this is the most critically important question of all eternity. No matter what, who do you say Jesus is? This, this will determine your eternal course of life. Who do you say he is? And, and really, uh, it was incredible, uh, the response that you are the Christ that Peter comes up with. But one of the great joys of mine here at King's Chapel is having some dear friends that I grew up with uh, from upstate New York, my hometown, be a part of this beloved church, and one of my dear friends is is Mike Carpenter. And you know what Mike Carpenter does for a living? He's a carpenter. Don't you love that? Carpenter's a carpenter. Guess what Jesus was? Carpenter. And guess what he was? Carpenter. He, but he built something a lot better than Mike ever built. He built some cool places in Alworth. I've seen pictures. Jesus builds the church. I mean, that's a cool carpenter. It's just absolutely amazing how he builds it. And he says, I'm going to build this. And so Peter knocks it out of the park. He says, listen, you are the Christ. And when he says you are the Christ, not his last name. It's, it, it's a title. You are the Messiah. You're the long-awaited one. You are the Christ. More than that, you are the Son of the living God. Wow. Messiah, divine. That's who you are. It's incredible. And then jesus is going to respond and say man on this rock i will build my church jesus himself builds a church but the question is what's the rock on this rock now it's confusing because peter's name is petros and jesus says on this petra didn't say petros he says on this petra on this bedrock i'm going to build my church what was he saying now some of the church has thought for a that he's going to build it on Peter. He's going to be the first pope. Peter's the guy. We're going to build it on him. Peter's a knucklehead. I love him. But we're not building it on Peter. We're going to build it on the bedrock. And what is the bedrock? Watch this. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the son of the living God. That is what he builds his church on. That is that confession Peter's confession, not on Peter, you are the Christ. You want to build a church? Jesus is the Messiah. That's all we all know. You want to, he, he is the Son of God. So on that confession, Jesus gives the keys to the building of his church, to the one with a divinely inspired human proclamation. When Peter came up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and, I, and I, I've said this before, and I just can't get this picture out of my mind, I kind of picture Jesus taking Peter, I picture Peter being bigger than Jesus, but kind of giving him a nook, that's it! Simon Bar-Jonah, he kind of calls him by a personal name. I mean, Simon, son of Jonah, you get this. It's incredible, you're right. But don't think you got this on your own. This came from the Father in heaven. You don't figure this out on your own. This is a divinely inspired reality. If you are here and you are able to say that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, thank the Father. Because he has given you the grace to know the truth of his Son. Because he's taken off what blinds our sinful eyes to see the beautiful reality. It's a divinely inspired human proclamation. Peter didn't figure it out himself. And it's through that uh, incredible proclamation that Jesus is uniting heaven and earth. You know, I I, I don't have time to unpack this further, but I want to read to you Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. This is an amazing passage. It just lean into this for a minute paul is going to say this that making known to us the mystery of his will making known to us the mystery of god's will according to god's purpose which he set forth in christ jesus a plan full of fullness of time stick with me to unite all things in heaven things and earth through jesus christ you see jesus is the hope of the world the hope of this church and the hope to unite all things. I mean, what an incredible ministry he came for. He came to unite. He came to reconcile. And the keys of the kingdom are this, that Jesus is the Lord. He is the Son of the living God. And when we proclaim that, we are binding things in heaven. We are loosing things in heaven. The, The Greek here is very important. It's basically saying, you proclaim this, by the way, it's already been proclaimed in heaven. It makes it very clear in the Greek that what we are able to bind and loose here on earth by the proclamation of the gospel has already been predetermined by the God in the heavens of what we're to do. But you preach the word. You preach that Jesus is the Lord and that he is the cornerstone. And it's, it's what we're going to build on. Um, I'm out of time. Sorry. Yeah, I'll buy out of time next week too, probably, but it's all good. <laughs> Let me wrap up by saying Jesus is a cornerstone. We may we build on nothing more, nothing less, and nothing order, other than Jesus. Amen. Jesus and Jesus alone. May He be the cornerstone of this church today, tomorrow and forever. May He be the builder of this church today and tomorrow and forever. May He be the head of this church today, tomorrow and ever. And maybe he'd be the reality the same to you personally. You know, it's interesting. Jesus uses, he quotes this passage of the cornerstone. He grabs it from the Old Testament. He uses it to religious leaders. And he says, on this cornerstone, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to crush you or it's going to break you. It's interesting. Crush you or break you. A cornerstone. If you fall upon Christ, it'll break you. And you'll acknowledge, I'm a sinner. And I need a savior but if you don't fall upon Christ, one day it'll crush you. Because he's Lord of lords and King of kings. And the only hope we have is to know him. How is it with you? Is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Savior? Is Jesus the head of your life? How is it with you? Have you surrendered your life to him? May we always be a church where he is our head, he is the builder, and he is the cornerstone. Amen? Let's pray. Now, Father God, it's amazing to think of all that Jesus is the eternal Word of God who would become flesh to dwell among us, to rescue us. He's the creator of all things, sustainer of all things, the reconciler of all things. And the, and the reality is, God, Jesus is it. And we often treat him as if he's just not that important. Gosh, we could live our lives and hardly acknowledge him most days. But you want him to be the head of our lives and the head of our church. You want him to be the builder of our lives and the builder of our church. You want him to be the cornerstone of all that we are. But oh, how foolish we are to look for something else to build our lives, our name, our reputation. May we look to Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus, we thank you that you promised to build your church. We thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail. And God, would you build your church here at King's Chapel for your glory in your name we pray, amen.